Ramble. One guaranteed way to make me cry is just remind me of the lifespan of dogs compared to most humans. Listen, my dogs, Mango, I know, Rotten Mango, and Tiger have been with me since before I started YouTube, before this podcast, and I truly don't know where I would be without them. But like, all I can do right now is spend time with them, take care of them so that they live the happiest and healthiest life that I can give them. Farmer's Dog is such a huge part of that. Farmer's Dog makes it easy to keep your dogs healthy, which can give you more quality years with them. So Farmer's Dog, they make and deliver fresh, healthy dog food, and it's recommended by vets. My vet literally recommended me Farmer's Dog. It's nutritionally balanced and made from human-grade ingredients in safe, clean kitchens. Tiffany has been bringing Cola, her French Bulldog, over, and she keeps some of his food at our house. She said that she's been having such a hard time trying to get him to eat, so I offered her some of Mango's food to give to him. She was amazed. She said that she's never seen Cola so pumped for food. Farmer's Dog is the best option for dogs at all life stages because it's it's not kibble, it's not canned goop, it's real food. With traditional dry or even wet food options, they're extremely processed. I mean, I can hardly understand the ingredients that go into it, and it's really hard to portion. It's difficult to understand if my dogs are getting the nutrients that they need. Farmer's Dog comes pre-portioned, and it's based on my dog's unique nutritional needs. So Mango and Tiger, they eat different meals, and it's so cool. Farmer's Dog is like human-grade food made in safe kitchens. My dogs have been on Farmer's Dog for years now, ever since Mango was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, and I just noticed so many changes. They've got a healthier coat, healthier skin, their breath is better, and right now, you can get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash mango. Let the Farmer's Dog know that we sent you, so use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash mango. I'm laughing because I just told my fiance the topic of today's discussion and he is screaming like a little bitch. <laughs> What's going on, babe? Tell them. You a little nervous about sex with severed heads? Some necrophilia got you all creeped out or whatever? Honestly, it's really creepy. <laughs> so what I imagined was yes. a dead person's head mm-hmm. sawed off. Yes. And oral? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is precisely what happens in today's story. Multiple times. Quite, I add, with his mother. I mean, it's weird. It's weird. His mom's involved. But before we get started, I just want to talk about something really quick. This is not sponsored, but I want a neon light. I want a neon light so fucking bad. I saw Kendall Jenner had a neon light in in her family room, and I have always wanted a neon light. So I'm like, okay, what do I want on this neon light? I've wanted it this for weeks before I even saw Kendall Jenner's little thing, right? And I was thinking, I like I like initiating plan Z. There's a meaning behind it. It's not just random. It's not just out of nowhere. I really dove deep into my fucking Visco girl soul, my basic bitch soul, and I dug this shit out. And I was like, initiating plan Z, exclamation mark, because my life literally never goes according to plan. I, do, I have plan A, I have plan B, I have plan C. And normally, I'm a planning ass bitch. Like, if we go on a vacation, I'm the one that plans that shit, right? And I always have back up plans and always a plan will continue to fall and you know what now that i'm saying this out loud i think it's just i need to have better plans but that's regardless right 
Anyway, so I'm like, okay, initiating plan Z. It's like really cute because that means we've done plan A through Y and now we're on to Z. But guess what? It also symbolizes that we never give up. And so he's like, plan Z, like really? I mean, it kind of sounds like plan B. And I'm like, no, nobody, this is completely original. I'm an original queen. And I was like, okay, well, just in case before I pay a bunch of money for this neon sign to go up in our bedroom facing our bed, let me just Google plan Z and make sure it's not something weird i google it <laughs> and it says plan z was the name given to the planned re-equipment and expansion of the german navy ordered by adolf hitler Woo! <sighs> yeah so i was um a so couple, she ordered it no <laughs> so i was a couple hundred dollars away from getting canceled without even knowing it i would have no idea that that's what plan z meant and then i came across this great idea um this is why we're doing this week's story because i have known about this serial killer for quite some time i mean he has always been on my radar he has always been one of the most i would say complex criminals that i've ever even researched or even read about or even thought about i mean he is just so intensely complex I'm for some reason he's so smart so manipulative so complex as a person that i'm scared to even talk about him while he's alive in a california state hospital or state prison right he's alive he's alive i mean he's gonna spend the rest of his life in jail but he is in the same state as me and for some reason even though he's behind bars just talking about it makes me a little bit nervous so the reason that i bring this up is because i kind of wanted to get this on a neon sign and my fiance is so against it it's a quote from today's today's criminal today's serial killer and it's i just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma so he a grandma killer yeah he a grandma killer he really be that he really be doing all of that i want that in a neon light and i want it in our bedroom and he does not like this idea i like this idea i think it's interesting because hear me out hear me out i'm not glamorizing the serial killer i'm not saying oh my god he's so smart like i stand him i'm gonna send him letters but i'm just saying i think it's really interesting because I mean, there must have been so much that happens before he says this quote. Like, the, nobody wakes up born out of their mother's womb, peekaboo bits, hello world, I just want to shoot grandma. Nobody, I mean, not that I know of, is born like that. Every criminal is made. And I'm so interested in, like, the childhood and the psychology of these criminals that I just felt like this would kind of be something to look at. <laughs> But then we could just never invite any of our grandmas over. So <laughs> we decided against it. So is he killing his own grandma or he's killing everybody? No, he, it's weird because he kills his own grandma and then he doesn't kill any more grandmas. Oh, that's it? Yeah, he just wanted that one grandma. So whose head was that? Oh, 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 oh there's lots of heads. He's a serial killer. There's about eight heads. No, ten. Yeah. Huh. 10 heads okay so let's start his name is edmund kemper the third he has a very fancy name but he's not a very fancy person his childhood he's born in burbank california which is very very close to us he's a middle child and an only son and i feel like for this story it's kind of important that he's the only son right and his mom's name is clarnell clarnell elizabeth kemper very fancy names i wish i had a fancy name um and then his dad's name was edmund kemper the second now his mm. parents had a complex relationship before we can get into the birth of clarnell pushing out this 13 pound whopping baby 
We have to talk about the parents. I mean, Edmund, the dad, and Clarnell, the mom, they had an intense relationship. So the dad, he, had, he was a World War II veteran. It all ties together with Plan Z, I guess, right? So he was a World War II veteran. And after the World War, he decided to go to the, this Marshall Island area where he would then test atomic bombs and nuclear weapons for the U.S. government. Because after the war, the U.S. government was like, fuck, we need more of this shit. And so he joined the government process of helping them test. I mean, this is going to be a really stressful job this is not a walk in the park this is not working for some government office in dc this is going to be really intense right and so after he finishes that occupation he decides to move back to california and he becomes an electrician now he became an electrician because he has the needed requirements but also imagine this you're a veteran you were testing nuclear weapons do you really want to just do something crazy you probably just want to kind of lay low have a family and live a normal life whereas normal as it can be right and um his wife was really not about it she was like an electrician that's so basic that's not prestigious at all i can't even go around telling people that you are testing nuclear weapons for the government i have to tell them that you're putting up light bulbs in someone's house like this is disgusting and she was rude she was a very mean person now it's speculated that a lot of people who studied the psychology of Miss Clarnell believe that she had borderline personality disorder. But what we do know as fact is that she was a raging alcoholic. And the dad, Edmund, would even say, listen, and this is not an acute way. Suicide missions in wartime and atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to being married to Carnell. And I don't think he was saying it in like, oh, my wife's a little crazy way, right? And he I believe it. (laughs) You were a little too quick on that one, no? You should have waited a little bit. (laughs) No, I I, I believe it. You believe it. (laughs) He's like, I relate. (laughs) So, Carnell, he even said that she affected him more than the 396 days that he spent fighting on the front lines of World War II. So, these are some powerful words by a powerful veteran. I mean, that's how evil Carnell apparently was. She births three children, a daughter, a son, which is Ed. We're going to call him Ed. He's the main person of today's story. And then another daughter. Now, Ed was a whopper baby. He was 13 pounds when he pushed out of his mom. I mean, 13 pounds is intense. I think average babies are like seven pounds. So imagine double like two times a regular baby i think okay so i googled this i was interested i was like okay what is the magic number how big can i push out of my uterus and apparently the biggest baby ever born on record was 22 pounds but then died 11 hours afterwards and then after that babies that actually survived in good health the heaviest was 19 pounds 19 yeah so 13 is a he's a big whopper boy um he ends up becoming almost seven feet tall and 300 pounds so this is big ed i mean that was his nickname was big ed he was a giant and his dna was determined yeah that he was gonna be a a fucking whopper baby yeah (laughs) and carnell was just not nice to him um she was scared to coddle him she yes he came out as a big baby but at the end of the day he's still a baby he needs love he needs affection he needs compassion to grow up to be a well-adjusted adult right well she was scared to do all of that because she was scared it would turn him gay she was scared that showing him too much affection would turn him gay so obviously clarnell is a wonderful logical woman with just an amazing brain i'm saying this all super sarcastically i don't even know how that would even make sense in one's head right 
Wow. Yeah, but he still ends up growing up super intelligent. He had an IQ of 145. He was considered to be one of the most, I would say, complex and intelligent criminals. Yes, we've talked about the Unabomber, who had a much higher IQ, around 160, right? But the thing with Big Ed was that he was scarily self-aware. So it's just crazy when you I have think, some... Yeah, yeah, I think there's a borderline of when you cross certain IQ, yeah. you're, you don't even understand average people anymore i feel yeah like. that, that's i think the that's the unabomber you. yeah he's like so out there mm-hmm. he thinks he's talking to like ants yeah but yeah. with this guy 145 is like that's just scary. smart enough yeah to do some crazy shit like the unabomber when you see his interviews i mean you see that he's so intellectual but you also see a side of him that's like okay he seems a little bit cuckoo like he seems yeah. like too much of a i don't want to use such a nice word for someone like him but kind of like a visionary like wow he's got some crazy ideas he doesn't like normal life he wants to change the whole fucking world and shit but then with him you just got a genius serial killer which is i think scary right with no purpose so growing up he has a couple near-death experiences he has an older sister by the name of susan now susan seems um a little suspect okay i was just trying to (laughs) it was a really bad joke (laughs) i was trying to be like susan the suspect but it didn't work (laughs) and so she's the older sister (laughs) (laughs) so she's the older sister and she decides that she's going to try to push him in front of a moving train and it almost works but he doesn't fall onto the train track so he ends up living but it was a near-death experience it wasn't one of those like dramatic experiences where like oh my god there was a fire in california and like last week i was in california like not one of those it was like a genuinely i don't know if they were playing around or if he had done something to her it's very unclear And then again, she did it once more when she successfully pushed him into a pool. And now this big heavy dude could not swim. So he was he almost drowned before he was saved. So it was really intense. So she started doing all of this. Now, I don't really think Susan is the like to blame for all of his behavior. I think mainly it's his parents, primarily his mom. Right. And maybe it's something he's a little bit born with. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't really know. Right. So the mom is for sure crazy. Oh, the mom's nuts. Okay. Yeah. Are so you share more about Oh yeah, her? yeah. Okay. Wow. So we're going to start with her psychotic er, his psychotic behavior. So he starts displaying lots of these tendencies. The first thing is he would get his little sister's dolls and he would start removing the hands of them and removing the heads in elaborate ways. So it wasn't just like oop pop like I popped the Barbie's head off, but it was like I'm going to try fucking lighting a knife and then putting the knife like this heated knife onto her see if I could get like a nice cut edge. All of these things like super elaborate and he would just keep doing this to his little sister's dolls and he was experimenting with death and sexuality while he was doing this but he didn't even really know it because he's like what eight years old right so his parents see this and they're like whatever he's just growing up he's a boy he's he hates being surrounded by dolls he wants to ruin things that's what boys do when they're young etc like that olden day talk of like boys will be boys and that's what his parents did so he continued to do that now second grade hit comes and (laughs) This is where it gets weird. So he ended up stalking his second grade teacher to her house. 
I mean, I don't even know, like I had no freedom as a second grader. I don't know how he had the freedom to do this, but he would walk to the second grade teacher's house and he would watch her through the windows while he was holding a bayonet, which is like, um, it's a knife that's used in fighting situations. So it's different from a kitchen knife. It's not like he got a butter knife or a bread knife, but he got his dad's bayonet. And these are primarily known to be able to be fixed onto rifles. So it is, again, known to be used in fighting situations. So the second grader is just walking around with this and he's watching her like a little peeping tom like a peeping tommy because he's in the second grade through the windows what is he doing with that knife i guess maybe he was worried if he gets caught i mean i don't know he's not trying to hurt her maybe he wasn't so it might be a situation where he doesn't have the balls yet Uh, well i guess the balls is the word word not a good word to use right so right now he's just being very creepy yeah very creepy yeah so it hasn't gotten to the point yet where he's like this is my this is my victim Mm -hmm. i have you know spotted a prey type of situation it's an eight-year-old kid yeah i know it's It's so creepy i mean it really makes you wonder like what would you do if you're a parent and you found out that your kid was doing this stuff because i see so many stories where the parents don't really do much and i'm like i don't know if i could do that i don't know if it's because i read too much true crime that i'm like oh my god criminal i see it you're gonna grow up to be a criminal let's fucking do something about it or if i would just be like oh no like they're just going through some shit it's weird so he stalks his second grade teacher and his parents don't really say anything about it his older sister susan though however she does say something she says why don't you try to kiss her because you know she's like a little girl too and he says this in quotes which is creepy she says he says if i kiss her i'd have to kill her first which i feel like we've heard that quote a lot which is like oh if i kiss her then i'd have to kill her so that she doesn't like tell people or something does that make sense kind of but this one's weird because of like the arrangement i'd have to kill her first and because it's so similar to things that people say i feel like maybe susan wasn't taken aback by it because it doesn't sound like he genuinely wants to make out with a corpse does it so what is this boy's logic he wants he it seems like he likes dead people yeah that early on yeah Mm-hmm. Wow. And then he started playing some weird ass games. So what games did you guys play growing up? I feel like I played some bullshit games like hide and seek. Oh my God, I played house all the time. It was the worst when I got bullied by a group of girls and I had to play the dog. <laughs> <laughs> it was always the dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Hold on. Let me take a crying break. <laughs> I have sinuses. Okay. He did not play house. He did not play these things. He was like, hey, sisters, do you want to play gas chamber? (laughs) I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing. He's like, hey, sisters, do you want to play with the electric chair? This was his favorite game. So they would take turns blindfolding each other. And then the other sister or like he would pretend to press a button or pull a switch. And then the person that was blindfolded and tied up to a chair would like pretend to have a seizure and then tumble over and then pretend to die like execution style yeah i mean i don't know oh my god these kids are scary yeah yeah i'd be very alarmed if i saw my kid playing a game like this if they were like mommy like do you want to play gas chambers with me i'd be like fuck out of here you're not my kid i don't know you i'm not your mom um i'm just kidding i wouldn't abandon him or her and then he was like you know what we could do something else too we could get these rugs and we could roll each other up in these rugs and pretend to be dead bodies and so they would do that so it seems like he just had a fascination with dead things and dead people and just dead 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 he fucking loved 
dead. And the two sisters are playing along, though. Yeah, because, I mean, I think they were just bored. Th- these were never their ideas. Hmm, okay. Because, you know, his sisters didn't really, I don't know if they grew up to be nice people. I don't know if they grew up to be healthy people, but I know that they grew up to not be serial killers. So mm. I can only assume that this was his favorite thing to do, right? And then when he was young, he went to a magic show. Now, this is going to really le- leave such a big impression on him because he, you know how at magic shows, they're like, come up, come up, whoever you are, and we're going to cut your head off or cut your body in half. Hee hee, ha ha. And then they have this big blade that just comes chomping down. And then you're like, oh my God. And then they separate the boxes and then they put it back to together and then they do some and then the girl is like completely full and like she did not get her head chopped off right and the magic show he's like watching it and he's like so just enticed by this magician and they're like please we need a volunteer there's this beautiful young girl who's like oh pick me pick me and they're like yes little girl come up down to the stage and she's like giggling right and then she goes into the box and then the knife comes down and then like chop right he said that chop was the most exciting thing ever. He said the idea of chopping off a pretty girl's head was just something he could never shake since then. It's just something that he needed to do. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm laughing because I just don't understand psychology like that. Like, how do you come out of a magic show thinking, yeah, I need to do that, but without the magic, like in real life, I want to watch her head tumble across the stage. That's what I need. I mean, it's just weird. You look pensive, bro. What's going on? I don't... I just don't understand. He's yeah. so young. Yeah. He just wanted to chop, chop, chop beautiful girls' heads off. Now, of course, with every psychopath, I believe almost all serial killers that I've talked about have had issues like this, which are the cats. Cue the cats. I mean, this is like a script now. Serial killers have something, I guess against cats when he was 10 years old he decided to get his cat that's his pet he gets his pet and he buries his pet alive he buries his fucking cat alive now when he was certain that the cat died via suffocation because it had just been buried alive he digs the cat back up and then decapitates the cat and then mounts the head onto a spike what is a spike like a wooden stick onto the head the decapitated cat's head what the fuck is wrong with this kid? Yeah, and then he'll do it again. He said, chomp, chomp, and I want to do it again. So when he was 13 years old, he deadass did it again. They got a new cat finally. Um, After three years, they were like, okay, Eddie, like, don't fucking kill this cat, okay? So they get a new cat. Um, And he had a feeling that this cat liked his younger sister more. And he was upset by that. He was like, why would this cat not like me? Like, does this cat know that I murdered a cat before? I'm upset. And so he grabs the knife and he stabs the new cat to death and then he just like dismembers the entire cat hides pieces of the cat in his closet yeah and his mom found it yeah and what was the mom's reaction to all of these She just constantly called him a weirdo she just was disgusted by him to the point where she did not want to do anything to fix him that's where the big problem comes in it's not even the fact that she was like holy shit my son like let me help you but she was just like what the fuck's wrong with you and then would continue on with her life as if he was just gonna magically get better one day and it wouldn't because her and her husband would get a divorce now edmund kemper the third was really close with his dad edmund kemper the second and they were kind of like the only people that got each other right and then finally the dad was like i can't do this anymore and he ends up deserting the family he just leaves and so his teenage years he had a 
grow up with just his, just his mom and his two sisters. They end up moving all the way to fucking Montana, too. So they leave California. They go to Montana. He doesn't know anyone in Mont- Montana. He's got to make new friends. And it was hard to make friends because he just was going through a lot. Like, psychologically, he was going through a lot. But in his teenage years, I mean, he was going to grow up to be six foot nine and 280 pounds. So he was like this towering giant. And he was just getting bullied in school because they're like, you're a giant, but you can't hurt me, bitch. Right. And he just did not like it. So his mom also had a problem with him. And I really hate parents that do this. I mean, I feel like it's actually a lot more common, not just in serial killers childhoods, but so many people's childhoods. The mom was so mad at her husband walking out on her that she constantly berated Ed, her son, because she would always say, you're too similar to your dad. You're just like your dad. No one will ever love you because you're just like your dad. And he's like, well, what's wrong with dad? And she would constantly say this and she be like you're just a big weirdo and he she would just berate him and it started getting really bad because just when he was like 13 years old he was forced to sleep in the dark cold basement because his mom said i'm scared that you're gonna rape your sisters what the f- now i tried looking into it and i can't say that there was intense significant evidence that there was a threat of him trying to rape his sisters it seems like it also had to do with like his mom was just so paranoid about him wow i mean if he does murder cats i'd be pretty scared too but i also just i mean that's a weird thing to say to a 13 year old that's your own kid he's like you know what fuck this shit like i'm over it i don't like my mom she's so mean to me she still won't give me i've tried everything he tried to get good grades he tried to do all of these to impress his mom and his mom was just like no you're weird and you're a creep and i don't like you and i don't want to give you too much love because then you're gonna be gay i mean such weird logic there and so he's like fuck this i'm running away to california And so he comes back from Montana to California and he meets up with his dad and he's expecting this wonderful, beautiful reconciliation of his dad being like, I'm so freaking sorry I left you guys like it wasn't you. It was your mom. Oh, my God, I've been so miserable. I think about you every day. And he he was like, this is going to be a beautiful reunion. But it was incredibly short lived because he meets his dad and he finds out, oh, my God, he's got a new wife and a new stepson. And they're just having like a cute little family moment. And I am intruding on this. Now, he's ends up staying at their house for a couple you know weeks or months right and the new wife she said she was too stressed she said listen Edmund my husband your son Edmund is too stressful and um, I don't feel good about this I don't feel happy and I need you to get rid of your son and so the dad was like yeah okay got it you got it girl and so he ends up sending him to live with his parents so these are his paternal parents right the yeah. grandma mm-hmm. the second rejection so he had been pretty much rejected by his mom his entire life and then another rejection came when the dad left the mom and he had to move to montana with his mom and then the third rejection came when he went back to his dad and they were like sorry you gotta go and so he moves to north folk california And he fucking hated it. I mean, he hated it. He said that his grandma reminds him so much of his mom, even though that's, you know, the mom's Mm mother-in-law. But just the way that they act, they're always degrading and emasculating him. And the grandpa was just delusional. Like, he had dementia. He was senile, is his quote. He was senile, so it's not like he would even stand up for him. He just had no idea what was going on. So grandma was the only one left around to just yell at him all the time. And he hated it. And so he started taking it 
his anger out on birds and small animals. So he's like, fuck this. You guys live on a farm. I hate this farm. Let me go around and just start killing things. So he goes around and his grandpa had actually given him a 22 caliber rifle, a hunting rifle. And he goes around and he's, you know, using this rifle to hunt down small animals. Now, his grandfather seemed to be okay with it because he's like, you know what? These animals were killing our harvest anyway. So this is actually great that you're doing this. So they knew and they supported it. Not the grandmother. The grandma just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. She was like, I just don't like it. I mean, you don't seem like you're killing these animals for necessity. It seems like you have anger issues. You're scaring me. I don't want you to have this gun. You're volatile. You don't deserve to have a gun. You're not man enough to have a gun. Um, you don't even know how to kill an animal properly. You need to make sure they don't die of torture because you shoot them the wrong place, you know, and they're just bleeding to death. Like, you don't think you don't deserve a gun. And so she takes away his gun. And this will start a massive argument. I mean, he's just constantly arguing with his grandma. So when he's 15 years old, he gets into an argument with his grandma in the kitchen. And he just gets so full of rage that he goes to the other room and he grabs that 22 caliber hunting rifle and he shoots her in the head and then twice in the back. Just like that. Just like that grandma dead. 15? Yeah, he's 15 and murdered his grandma. Just like that. Oh my god. It's crazy. And so then there's also reports that there was a lot of post mortem stab wounds with a kitchen knife. So that means after he shot her, after she was dead, he went in with a knife and just stabbed the shit out of her. Which means this dude's got anger, right? I mean, he's angry. Now, his grandpa's coming home from the grocery store. He wasn't home at the time. And he's driving up and he's like, oh, shoot. I got to go shoot grandpa. So he goes out to the driveway and he gets that same rifle and he but shoots his grandpa in the driveway. Now, people will ask him, like, why'd you shoot your grandpa? Like, was he was he mean to you? Like, was he just as mean as your grandma? And he's like, no, no. The thing is, I didn't want my grandpa to come into the house and see his beloved wife just dead on the kitchen floor. And then I, I thought that he was probably going to have a heart attack anyway. So I just um, thought it'd be better if I just kill him, too. He has no emotion yeah. about any of that? He was just like, I mean, I think that that was better. Like, almost as if, like, a pity murder is kind of how he made it seem like. And so, right after he does this, he's killed both of his grandparents. He's 15 years old. And he calls his mom. Oh, my God. He's like, Mom, what do I do? <laughs> and the mom's like, fuck, I don't know. Um, call the cops. If you're not calling the cops, I'm going to call the cops. And so he's like, okay, let me call the cops. So he calls the local police department and he says, yeah, I'll just like wait here until you guys come and arrest me. And so he waits patiently until they come and they put him in custody and they ask him, why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? And he testified and he said, I just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma. I just wanted to know. Yeah, I just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma what they were like what about grandpa again he says the same things that he doesn't want him to find out that his wife is dead and so obviously when you've got a 15 year old that's just murdered his grandparents um in cold blood there's gonna be a lot of psychiatrists that get involved so a bunch of psychiatrists jump on this and they're trying to diagnose the shit out of him and they say that in a way this was him avenging the rejection from both of his mom and dad 
I mean, that's the only way that it makes sense. His grandma is so similar to his mom. You know, the grandpa, he likes the grandpa a lot more, just like he likes his dad more. But at the end of the day, his dad never protected him. His grandpa never protected him from the grandma or the mom. And so this was the psychiatrist opinion. And they said, listen, we're going to diagnose him with paranoid schizophrenia. And this had more to do with the fact that they just didn't understand him. It had less to do with the fact that he was experiencing those things that a paranoid schizophrenic would experience. So they said, there's no way, there's no comprehensible way that a 15-year-old just wakes up and shoots his grandparents. So he must be a paranoid schizophrenic. So they diagnosed him with that and they stick him into a California state hospital. And this one was a maximum security convict hospital so these were mentally ill patients that were really just convicts like you couldn't go there and be like hey like i think something's wrong with me like you had to commit some massive crimes to get there the doctors disagreed with the diagnosis the initial diagnosis that he was a paranoid schizophrenic they said that doesn't make sense because after we've studied him and after we've talked to him for so long he has no interference of thought He has no crazy delusions or hallucinations. He doesn't necessarily even have any bizarre thinking. And so they said, we think that he has a different condition. So he is completely fine in the... Yeah. And honestly, when you look at his childhood, there's no indication that he had paranoid schizophrenia. Right. So they're saying that it's incomprehensible that a 15-year-old could do this. So they're saying he must have hallucinated a voice that told him to do it. You know, they're like, how that what? And so they actually diagnosed him inside of this state hospital for a less severe condition, which was personality trait disturbance, passive aggressive type. So his diagnosis was personality trait disturbance, but it was the category was passive aggressive type. You call that passive aggressive? (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing. I read about it too because I I thought that word usage was interesting because passive aggressive, like I know so many passive aggressive people, right? And I just don't really think that they would go out and shoot their grandparents. So I'm like, this makes no sense. And they said that the history behind a diagnosis like this is it usually stems in childhood. So either they're bullied, they're abused, or they had really shitty parents that are either alcoholics or, you know, drug obsessed and are not paying any attention to the kid now the reason that they develop this is they feel like in their childhood that they never have a safe place to express their frustration or anger which Mm. is really important so when you're growing up and you're frustrated about something as a kid even as small as like oh my god like the ice cream machine at mcdonald's is broken then you need to have a safe place where you can complain to your family or your parents or to the adults nearby and that they'll let you do that and let you understand how to cope with that frustrated feeling otherwise you hold it in and you pent it up and then when you're an adult you're like fuck i don't know what to do with this like i've never learned how to deal with feeling frustrated or angry or sad or anything and so this was the issue now it gets a little bit dangerous because as these children that were abused in their childhoods turn into adults they have lots of triggers now a lot of these triggers usually stem from three things conflicts about dependency So either they want to be dependent on someone so much. And if there's a conflict, they're like, well, I'm dating this person and he's so dependent on me, like back the fuck off. That will usually trigger them or vice versa. They want people to be dependent on them. And when they finally find their independence, they're like, what the fuck? Or um, control. They like to have control. So if there's any conflict about who's in control at that moment, this will trigger them far beyond what a normal adult will be triggered. 
I and see. it could even get incredibly aggressive. And then the third one is conflicts about competition. The issues that they kind of have, this personality type, is that they turn every bad feeling into anger. Mm. So think about all the yeah. negative feelings. So you have sadness, you have hopelessness, you have despair, you have uncomfort, you have frustrated, frantic. Everything like that just automatically goes into the anger. So they have happy and angry. They don't mm -hmm. have, oh, I'm sad today or I'm down today. You know, they just have, I'm sad. So I'm fucking angry because I'm sad. Why am I sad? And so they they're don't. They're just uh, angry people, yeah, right? They're just angry and they usually lack empathy. Um, they mm. usually also use anger to gain power because that's when they feel the most powerful is when they're in their angry state. So that's why you have a lot of people who, like, I feel like we know at least one or two people in our lives that love to be angry. They just like to be angry. They just like to be angry at everything. And it's just mm. like, whoa, calm down. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But they're like, can you believe it? And you're like, yeah, yeah I mean, I guess. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And so it also is the issue that they confuse anger with self-esteem. So something you might hear from this type is something like, how dare they? When they get angry, it automatically turns into, how dare they do that to me? So anger is like a powerful tool for them. So these are very, very angry people. So don't be fooled by the passive aggressive label because they're pretty aggressive. Now, if you're really good, which Ed was, he was also psychopathic, right? Mm -hmm. So he was able to hide this anger really well and be nice. And a lot of people in his personal life that knew him thought that he was a gentle giant. They said, listen, he's the epitome of a gentle giant. He's almost seven feet tall, but he's so sweet, so kind, not a bad bone in his body wow yeah so he was a combination of that which is very scary now mix this in with an iq of 145 you've got some shit that's about to go down i mean this is scary shit i find that yeah i, know, I don't know it's just too scary he's in the state hospital and he's a model inmate model inmate just the best um he was so good actually that they said listen why don't we tr why don't we train you to kind of do some administrative work you're gonna administrate the psychiatric test on other inmates so you're gonna give them the psychiatric test make sure they're not cheating and answer any questions they have because you're so good at shit like this and then you're gonna tell the psychiatrist everything that they said while you return these test answers now this is crazy because this actually helped him manipulate the psychiatrist at the state hospital because now he learns how they grade these tests and how they're done and how people are scaled uh-huh so he's like oh i just have to answer questions like this or i just have to pretend to be this emotion when this happens because that's what they want to see mm. as growth and well-adjusted and rehabilitation that's why psychopaths are so scary yeah it's so scary and so, yeah he was creepy he would also befriend a lot of sex offenders at this state hospital and he got a bit of advice from them which was hey if you ever rape a girl you need to kill them because that means there's no witnesses around and um i think ed got it a little bit twisted because what he would do is he would kill them and then rape them so i digress we will continue so he gets released on his 21st birthday he was only there for like uh six years right so he gets released on parole which means he still has to go back to the psychiatrist and they have to do check-ins and they have to be like are you okay like do you want to kill more people and then he's like no absolutely not why would i want to kill more people right and so he's doing all of this and he's really good at manipulating them right and it's insane that at 
21, he's released against the recommendations by doctors to be released into the care of his mom. The doctors were like, listen, we think that he killed his grandma because the grandma was like an extension of his mom. Yeah. But he really didn't have anywhere else to go. So they send them send him back to the mom yeah so the courts were like send him to his mom woo! and so off to his mom he goes now the mom had remarried to somebody else and divorced and she was back in california and she was working at uc santa cruz which is a college in northern california a uh, university of california college right and it just was crazy for the next three years he's going to be living with his mom he's going to be going to the psychiatrist he's going to be showing proof of his rehabilitation and then he asked three years later for his juvenile records to be expunged which means completely erase them remove him so if a cop tries to go in and look up his record they're not going to see that he killed both of his grandparents yeah, yeah and this is what the psychiatrist wrote to the judge which is if i were to see him today without knowing anything about his history I would say that he's well adjusted. He's an intelligent man. He's no danger to himself or society. And to give him more freedom as an adult to really develop his potential, I would consider it reasonable to have permanent expunction of his juvenile record. What the fuck? I mean, he seems like... So smart. Yeah, he got those um, psychiatrists in his Ra- palm. Yeah, wrapped around his little well, yeah. big ass finger probably they gotta play good yeah and he'll continue to play them he's really weird so then he decides oh my god now that i'm out of there what do i want to do with my life what do i want to be the world is everything now that my records are expunged i know i want to be a cop so (laughs) yeah he's like i want to be part of the police department um he ended up getting rejected because they have a height requirement and he was too tall to be a police officer i don't know if like (sighs) cop cars are too small i don't know if it like i don't know honestly what it has to do with yeah but he was rejected because of his size so it's very interesting and he was you think you think he also want to be a cop just so he can also scoop out yes he says scoop out <laughs> let me scoop out that bed and cherries <laughs> he wants to be a cop so he can scoop some donuts <laughs> what is it scope out yes yeah, scope out <laughs> right don't you think so i think so i mean it's so scary i think he also gets off on that feeling because he ends up buying a motorcycle and like driving around town like a cop like a bad bitch cop huh. when he wasn't and so the cops are like nah you can't join us but like you're cool dude and so they call him big ed they nickname him big ed and why would he have a nickname like do cops just hang out with civilians um yeah. i would say maybe and maybe not but he ended up trying to befriend them like he would go to this place called the jury room and it was a local police bar hangout Hmm. which like i don't know how to feel about that like imagine you open up a bar and then it becomes a police bar hangout do you feel safer because it's a police bar hangout or scared or what happened (laughs) and then like if the police leave your bar and they never come back then would normal people normal patrons come to your bar anymore i mean i don't know i have so many questions if you own a police bar hangout let me know or maybe you're like a retired policeman and you open this isn't bar. it just a bar that cops like to go yeah that's what i'm saying like what if you just open up a bar and then randomly just every day it's just lapd in there every day up in that bitch and you're like fuck dude and then no normal people come because they're like nah that's lapd bar like we don't want to go there <laughs> you know i don't know how i would feel i'd be like i don't know do I feel safer or scared or uncomfy? 
I don't know. I don't know. And um, yeah, so he would constantly go to the jury room as a civilian and just hang out with cops. And they would always deem him a friendly nuisance. So he's a little bit annoying, but he's friendly and he's nice and he's big ed. So then he gets a job at the California Department of Transportation. And he really did this because he was just getting into so many bad fights with his mom. I mean, the neighbors were hearing these fights. And again, you're thinking, oh, my God, like this, this dude is fighting with his mom about some crazy shit. Like she knows she's finally bringing up the cats. They're fighting about their abusive you know childhood no like she would just yell at him about everything like it could be about a teeth cleaning like she'd be like get your teeth cleaned and then she's trying to fight with him yeah because she doesn't know how dangerous her son is like at all i mean well i guess she should because he (sighs) killed his grandparents but she just treats him like whatever bitch go get a teeth cleaning and he's like don't call me bitch and then they get into a fight and his neighbors would complain and they'd be like they were fighting about a teeth cleaning till like four in the morning like what's going on i mean it's crazy and so he moves out and he gets engaged wow yeah now this is a very interesting engagement i couldn't find a lot about his engagement and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that his former fiance um requested that her name be sealed and not released which i totally respect and i believe she was also a student at the time so it didn't seem like they moved in together and did the exact stereotypically engaged couple things like it didn't look like they got a house together they like got a dog together and they were planning their wedding it was like she was a college student she just needs to finish college she's living on campus they're not talking much and so anyways he moves out now he still couldn't get rid of his mom because i don't know why his mom hates him but she would constantly call him and then just like randomly visit him it's a weird relationship really weird and Mm. he would constantly run out of money get evicted from apartments and then he would move back in with his mom i mean it just was not a good thing and then he ends up getting that motorcycle i was telling you about right Mm -hmm. so he's riding around in that motorcycle and then he gets hit by a car boom bits car hits him he's like wow my arm hurts and his arm was actually pretty badly hurt right and he ends up suing the driver of the vehicle and wins about ninety thousand dollars for a settlement now with that ninety thousand dollars he buys a car and he's so he's so excited i mean it's like a ford right and so he's driving around in this ford looking like a bad bitch and he's like what's up bitch like i got a car do you got a car i got a car and he was driving around when he suddenly sees an influx of what young female hitchhikers I mean, I don't know. I need to look into that. Like, was serial killing so big back then because of the rise of hitchhiking? I'm sure there's lots of other things. I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's still a lot to this day. We just don't know until it's concluded. Hitchhike? No, serial killing. Today? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think we have any like massive serial killers. That's like, oh, my God, serial killer on the loose right now, like terrorizing this city. But Mm -hmm. I do think there's probably got to be. I mean, I think they said there's like 2000 serial killers active right now in the U.S. Mm. So, I mean, but I wonder if it's because we haven't pieced together all of their killings. Maybe we think that each individual one is just like an unsolved murder. Right. But um, no, when there was hitchhikers, it seemed like it was very easy to kill. And what he would do is he saw all these young female hitchhikers and he was like, oh, my God, I got to get prepared. So Mm -hmm. he buys a bunch of plastic bags plastic trash bags he's getting ready to kill yeah some knives and some blankets and he gets some handcuffs and he stores them into the car and when asked why he said as a precaution i'm like whoa you are a seven foot 300 pound man and you see some female hitchhikers and you're like oh my god i'm scared i gotta get this as a precaution it was just weird just the wording of it is weird right so he sees hitchhikers he starts picking them up these young females and he had transported about 150 hitchhikers without killing them 
he left wow. them alive it was a nice experience he got to know them would drop them off at their destination they'd become friends and then he did this about 150 times until until he started feeling something yeah he called it little zapples what is zapples like little zappies to his little weenie yeah, he said he felt these little zapples and they were just like these intense, sexual, murderous, homicidal urges. Yeah, he's like, I want to commit sexual homicide. Yeah, and he called them little zapples on his nipples. Sorry, it's <laughs> not funny. Yeah, he calls them little zapples. Okay. On his little nipples. And so he starts feeling this and then... These are when the killings start happening. Now, his MO is pretty consistent. He was an active serial killer for around 11 months, which is really short. And he kept asking his mom to introduce him to students. He wanted to make friends. He wanted to make, you know, some girlfriends. It seemed like maybe he wasn't that, you know, mm, a great fiance. And his mom was like, no, dude, you don't deserve to get to know them. Like, you're just like your dad. No woman's going to ever love you. No girl's going to ever love you. And you better bet that your fiance, she ain't going to love you when she gets to know you. She barely knows yet. That's why she thinks she loves you. Like, she was just really rude. And so he starts getting mad. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to pick up students. And while they're hitchhiking, I'm going to either shoot them, stab them, strangle them, smother them. And then I'm going to take their bodies home. This is their, this is his MO. We're going to get into each victim. But this is his MO, right? He would take the bodies home and he would decapitate them. And then he does something called, <laughs> I can't say it. He does something called irumatio. Do you know what fellatio is? So fellatio is kind of like the more professional term of saying a blowjob. So fellatio is um, arousing one's penis with a mouth, right? But irumatio is when you thrust into the mouth. So, Uromatio would be considered, like, assault. What kind of terms are these? Just Like, what they would use. Terms. Yeah, official terms, right? So, it means, like, maybe consensually or non-consensually, they would thrust the penis into the mouth, right? Oh, okay. So, it is distinguished that it's not fellatio, but we're just going to call it um, sex with decapitated heads for now. So, he would take the head off of the body, he would decapitate oh it, and then he would thrust into the mouth of the decapitated head with his wee-wee. Okay, sorry, with his penis. That sounded like such a... Yeah, disgusting. I don't think I've ever read stuff like this. I mean, I, I maybe I have. But there's one other person that that's... That's his zappos. Yeah, that was his Zappos. Did you say Zappos? Like the shoe brand? Oh, what is it? Zappos? <laughs> Zappos. Zappos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> I thought you said Zappos, like the shoe brand. Yeah, that's what he wanted to do. So he'd sever the head, thrust into the mouth, and then he would toss the head to the side, and then he would grab the headless body, and then he would have sex with the decapitated bodies. He would partake in necrophilia with these decapitated bodies. And then he would chop them up into small pieces and then get rid of them. Now, necrophilia is interesting. And I would say that I know a little bit too much about necrophilia to be comfortable with. I mean, an alarmingly amount that I know. And I know it comes in a classification. Necrophilia is usually what you would say with sexual pleasure that you get from 
involving dead bodies, corpses. Okay. Now there's 10 classifications of necrophilia. It's not just one. You would think it's one because of how, like, that seems rare. That seems not common, but there's uh-huh. actually a lot. So like the who first uses the level Pol- police or police, a psychiatrist, court documents. Okay. They'll usually classify necrophilia. So the first one is the smallest one, which is role play, which means that your pret- your partner pretends that they're dead and you just fuck them while they're pretending to be dead. But they're very much alive. So and that's still considered um, necrophilia because you're getting off on the idea uh, that they're dead. You're like, yes, be dead, play dead. Whoop. And then so it's it's interesting. That's, so that's not illegal. how you start. Yeah. Basically. Uh huh. And some people never graduate from this p- phase. Some people are like, this is enough. Like the sight of seeing a dead body would gross them out and they would yeah. throw up. But just the role play is something that they're into. Okay. So this seems relatively, I, wanna, I wouldn't say common, but it seems acceptable. It's not illegal. Do what you want with consenting adults, right? Now, yeah. the second thing would be romantic. This gets a little bit creepier. It's when people remain attached to their dead lover's body. They want Ooh. to, you know, keep the dead body around so that they could continue to love the dead body because they love that person so much. Now, this is distinguished because any other dead body would not be appealing to them, but it's because of that emotional connection that they want to keep their dead lover's body. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then you've got the necrophiliac fantasizers. Now, this is a little bit different from role play and romantic. It's actually a little bit higher on the category list um, out of the 10. And it's usually that you have this fantasy of dead corpses. Like, it's not even the partner. It's not even role play. Like, you want to fuck dead bodies. But you don't actually ever do it. So this is just a thinking. Yeah. So this is just thinking, but it's it's more intense than yeah. role play. Yeah. 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 And then you have tactile, which means people tactile necrophilia is necrophiliacs who will go to a corpse, a dead body, and they just get off on just touching its face like just once or like stroking its hair. Okay. And they will get off on that. So okay. just small touches. And then you have fetish, fetish necrophilia, which is people who will remove clothing or sometimes limbs from dead bodies. What? Like a finger. They'll take a finger of a dead body. They will keep a body part? Yeah, like just like a finger. Yeah. Like they want to have a finger of a dead so, uh, body. So th- these people, they, they're just obsessed with the this 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 corpse, this dead yeah. body, physical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very intriguing. It's very weird because, you know, in most true crime cases, we talk about it and everyone's like, the smell of a dead body is something that you will never recover from. But these people are like, no, yeah, no, I want to fuck it. Yeah, they get turned on by that smell. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's really, I think this one is one of those things where it's hard to relate in any way. Holy shit, what? Like, how how do a person get to that stage? There's lots of trauma. Remember that Russian guy we did a mukbang on on our YouTube channel? That he like randomly got married to a girl while she was in her coffin because the parents were like, we don't want her to be buried until she's married. Um, And then he was like forced to kiss her. And then later he had an obsession with um, dead bodies. He didn't like try to have sex with them per se, but he had an obsession with dead bodies. Okay. Yeah. And then you have um, mute mutilomanics which just means that they like to mutilate dead bodies while they masturbate so they don't actually have sex with the corpse yet but Mm -hmm. they will masturbate while they're cutting up a body 
Very odd. Then you have opportunistic, which means they have absolutely no interest in necrophilia. But when the opportunity arises, they will absolutely take it, which this reminds me of Marilyn Monroe. Do you guys know what happened to her? Well, her body after she was dead was missing for a couple hours and word around town. I don't know if it's true. I could look into it. Maybe I'll do a video on it was that there was a dude taking bribes on fucking Marilyn Monroe's dead body. What the For hell? a couple hours, yeah. Disgusting. Disgusting. So that would be opportunist necrophiliacs, right? Then you have um, ne- regular necrophiliacs, and they prefer to have sex with the dead. They just prefer it. They don't necessarily, like, you know, can't have sex with normal people. They just wish you were dead. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And then now we're on category nine, which is homicidal, which is people who murder in order to have sex with the dead. That is their motive. And then you have exclusive necrophiliacs, which means people who only have interest in sex with the dead and cannot get a boner when you're alive. Like they cannot perform sexually with a living human being. And that's where he's at? He's like going back and forth between nine and ten. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy. I would say he's more of a 10, but he's homicidal for sure, obviously. And it's crazy because, I mean, once you really get into this, like, area, you see so many weird things. I mean, they even categorize it. They categorize not just that, but another thing, which is, do they have sex with the bodies when they're cold are they destructive necrophiliacs which means they will mutilate the bodies or do they only have sex with warm corpses and do they try to preserve the corpses for further sex like there's so much and you have to think if you have to think that if there's that many categories for necrophilia there must have been so many necrophilia cases yeah (sighs) crazy Now, let's talk about his victims. So his first victim and his second victim at the same time were Mary Ann Pesquet and Anita Luchessa. Now, he was driving around Berkeley, California, and he spots these two students that are hitchhiking, and they're from Fresno State University. And he's like, where are you trying to go? And they're like, we're trying to go to Stanford University. Like, we're going to a party. Like, we're going to go hang out, right? Uh Uh-huh. And he's like, okay, well, it's a couple-hour drive. Hop into the car. I'll skirt, skirt to Stanford University for you. So they're like, great. So they get into the car. And he was so good with all of the areas in Berkeley, California, because he worked for the California State of Transportation, that he knew all of these wooded areas. So Mm. he slowly rerouted, without even them knowing, into a wooded area. And he immediately starts handcuffing them. So he handcuffs Mary. And this is what I think is so odd, that as he's handcuffing her, the back of his hand brush up against her breast okay like while uh-huh. she's clothed and he gets embarrassed and he says whoops i'm so sorry like almost as this embarrassed little boy but minutes later he's gonna end up killing her i mean it's just so weird oh uh, so she d- he doesn't know how to even act around a live person a yeah girl. and he hates girls so it's weird too so he has this hatred towards women because of his mom but he also doesn't know how to interact with women or maybe that's why he, uh, he likes to do it when they're dead oh god 
And so he's like, whoops, I'm sorry. So he handcuffs Mary successfully and then he locks Anita into the trunk. And then he stabs and strangles Mary and then Anita and then toss them both into the trunk. Now, as he's driving back to his apartment, the police will actually pull him over because he had a broken taillight. Oh, my God. But that's it. They didn't know that they didn't check his car. They didn't search his car. They didn't even think that he was acting weird. That's crazy to me. Imagine you just killed two people and you're just like, hey, cop, what's popping? Oh, yeah, that taillight. I'll get it fixed. Like, I... I'm frantic if I just get pulled over for nothing. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. Wait, so this is the first um, murder after after the grandparents? Yeah, so technically in his lifespan, these will be um, his third and fourth victim. But in yeah. his serial killing, his active serial killing, it's considered his first and second. Because he wow. never was convicted of his, you know, grandparents. It was expunged, oh. right? Right, right, right. Um, they thought he was insane, criminally insane. Yeah. So he returns to the apartment after the police is like, hey, get your taillight fixed. He's like, you got it, dude. He returns to the apartment. His roommate's not home. That's crazy. He's got a roommate. He's got dead <sighs> bodies and a roommate. And his roommate's not home. So he's like, cool, great. So he brings these two dead bodies into his apartment and he starts taking photos of them while they're dead, like posing them up, putting them on the bed, unclothing them, taking pictures. And then he had sex with the bodies yeah and then he dismembered them and then he put the rest of the body parts into plastic bags but the hands and the head and he would toss the rest of the two girls bodies in abandoned like just near the mountainside in california and he would before he tosses the heads disposes of the heads i know tosses is like such a bad word before he disposed of the girls heads he 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 had oral sex with the two girls severed heads okay so he thrust into their mouths while they were dead i just don't understand and then he would dispose of their heads near a local ravine now he is very strategic when he does this like i said he's a smart cookie so he would take off their heads and then he would take off their hands so no one could fingerprint id them and he would toss them in separate areas. So as of today, I believe only Mary's head was found and nothing else. Imagine Mary's family just being like, hey, we found your daughter, but we didn't find the rest of your daughter. Wait, how is he so good at, he just knows where yeah. he should dispose it? Yeah, he's just like, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do that. And I'm going to get rid of the fingerprints because if you find a couple limbs here and there and you can't identify it, then you can't look for where were they last seen? Who were they seen with? Are there any witnesses, you know? Mm. Uh, because who so, even so, is this okay, person? So he separated all the parts so it's harder for them to identify. Yeah, right? because I think it's just dental records, face, and mm. hands. Your okay. Um, fingerprint. Okay right and then his victim number three technically victim number five was a 15 year old dance student by the name of aiko ku she was going to dance class and she missed her bus home she's in high school and she's like you know what i'm gonna hitchhike like now back in the day this was not like a crazy thing to do it just was not like are you insane aiko it's like i'm gonna uber home like i'm 15 but i'm gonna uber home like that's kind of what it meant back in the day Mm -hmm. she decides to get into ed's car 
and he drives her to another remote area and he tries to suffocate her he tapes her mouth shut and then he sticks his fingers up her nose to try to suffocate her in that sense and it just was not working because it takes a lot to suffocate someone and so he pulls out his gun and he's like you know what i'm just gonna shoot you and then in the process of it somehow he accidentally locked himself out of his own car so he's holding this gun he's locked outside of his car i go cool this 15 year old is just sitting in his car and he's like hey can you like open the car door for me and it's crazy because i know we're gonna judge but we shouldn't judge because she was 15 she did not know how to drive and he's having he's holding a gun like let's be real like he could definitely shoot through the car door and so she lets him back in and then he chokes her unconscious with a scarf now this is the first time that i know of that he raped a girl before killing her so he rapes aiko while she's unconscious so she's not screaming or anything she's knocked out and then he kills her and then puts her into the trunk and as he's driving home he's like you know what would be really good right now an ice cold beer so he drives to a local bar and he starts drinking some beers and throughout the night several times he'll go out back to his car and he'll be like guys i need to go get something from my car because he was like talking to some of the patrons and he would open up the trunk and he said it's like you're just admiring your catch like you know when you go fishing and you catch a big fish and you just look at it like damn that's a good fish i got a good one i'm so impressed with myself and my skill of doing this he said that's the same feeling and so he'd go out open the trunk look at aiko's dead body and just be like damn that's a good catch that's insane wow yeah, he's so scary. I mean, his interviews are so scary, too. He had some prison interviews that I watched, and he talks about murder like it's just picking up Chinese takeout on a Tuesday. Like, just, yeah, so, I mean, I strangled her. I mean, it's just so casual. Holy fuck. He takes her back um, to the apartment, and he dismembers. There's necrophilia involved. He does all of that. And Aiko's mom called the police. She put up hundreds of flowers, never got a response, no leads. And the police initially never even tied it to Mary and Anita. Like, they did not think that this was a serial killer going around. They were just like, oh, Aiko's in high school. This is random, right? And then you have the next victim by the name of Cindy Shaw. Now, Cindy, um, she was an 18-year-old. And he was driving around a Cabrillo College campus that's in Northern California. And he was like, get in the car. And she's hitchhiking. And she's like, sounds great. So she gets into the car. He drives again to a wooded area. And he shoots her with a pistol. Now, Cindy's going to be very important because we're going to see that he gets a lot ballsier. He gets a lot. His MO changes up a little bit. Instead of putting her into his car and driving to his apartment, like he did with the other three girls, he decided, I'm going to go to my mom's house. So he goes up to his mom's house and he keeps Cindy's body in the closet, hidden in the closet overnight. What? So then the next day, the mom goes to work and he takes out Cindy's body from the closet and he removes the bullet because she had been murdered by a fatal gunshot wound and he starts dismembering her in his mom's bathtub with a power saw and now once she was dismembered again of course he had sex with the dead body and then he had sex with the severed head and he said that he kept the head for several days so he would go out into isolated areas and he would dispose of her other body parts but he would keep the head in his mom's house for several days so that he could continue having sex with just her head and he would say but you know what don't get mad don't get mad because i talked to that head like she was my wife like she was my girlfriend like i was like you look good today cindy 
He's saying that now. Yeah, like he was like, no, I talked to the head, like she was my wife, like my girlfriend, like I talked to her. Oh my god. Yeah, and then it gets creepier. So what does he do with Cindy's head now? Um, it had been a couple days. A couple days is a long time for a corpse, right? Right. And so he's like, I gotta get rid of the head. I know what I'll do. I'm going to bury Cindy's head in my mom's garden. This is really hard for me to say because I have a mom and my sister's name Cindy. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to bury Cindy's head in my mom's garden. <laughs> it's not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. Okay. So he's like, I'm going to bury Cindy's head in my mom's garden. Say it one more time, Stephanie. Now this is where it gets weird. He buries Cindy's head, but he faces her head towards his mom's room. So her room's facing the garden, right? And he places the head so that Cindy's eyes, if they could open, they could look through the soil straight into his mom's room. So he angled it. You want to know why? In quotes. This is his reason. In quotes. Because my mom always wanted people to look up to her. So he's doing this for the mother? More as like a taunt. Ah, like a haha, you wanted people to look up to you? Now you got a dead girl looking up to you. How do you feel now? Like Kind of like that, I would assume. I mean, he has no love for his mom. This is not like going to okay. be a situation where he's like, mommy, please love me, you know? And then she's like, no. This is like a situation where at this point in his life, he hates his mom. Maybe that was his childhood, but not anymore. He's sick of his mom. And so then she, he ends up throwing the rest of the remains off of a cliff. Now, to his surprise, he was freaking shook because within 24 hours, the remains were found. So they wow. were located. Um, her head was obviously not found, but the rest of her body was. And they said that this was like a sick puzzle. This was disgusting for the next few weeks they had a bunch of doctors try to piece together cindy's body again but to that day um well until he was found her head and her right hand were never found wow so they're kind of freaking out and then you're gonna have the next two girls you have rosalind thorpe and allison liu 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 Leo. Leo. So you have Rosalind Thorpe and Allison Leo. So around this time, there was a lot of suspicion that there was a serial killer that was preying on hitchhikers. It was like mm-hmm. going around town. Everyone's like, holy shit, this is so scary. Like, please, students, if you're hitchhiking, be safe, which is kind of crazy because you'd probably be like, hey, don't hitchhike. But they're like, be safe while you do it. And so they told all of the students at UC Santa Cruz, hey, don't get into a car unless they have like license plates that have like, you know, the college license plates or the college stickers on it that only admin or like students can buy. Yeah. So you know that if you're hitchhiking, you're getting hitchhiked by like an alumni or maybe it's a fellow student or like the parent of a student, like somehow affiliated with UC Santa Cruz. Right. Well, here's the thing. Like I said, his mom works at UC Santa Cruz. So what does he end up with? A UC Santa Cruz sticker. So he he goes around UC Santa Cruz and he ends up picking up Rosalind and Allison. Now, this day was different because he had just gotten into another fight with his mom and he had left the house. So he's 
just got into a fight with his mom and he's mad. He gets into the car and he's like, whatever, fuck this. Like the next pretty girl I'm seeing, I'm going to kill her. And so he gets into the car. He picks up Rosalind and Allison. Now, this is kind of scary and sad, but Rosalind, she was the first to enter the car. And he even said that it seemed like Allison was a little bit hesitant. Allison was 20. Rosalind was 23. Mm -hmm. And Allison was like, I don't know if we should hitchhike, you know? And Rosalind was like, it's fine. Like he has the sticker. Like it's fine. It's only like a short drive. Yeah. And because again, it was a short drive. He decided while he's driving to reach into his driver's side area, get his pistol and shoot them while he's driving. So now they've been shot in the back of his car. He parks in a cul-de-sac and he wraps their bodies in a blanket and he heads straight to his mom's house where he beheads the bodies and he ends up carrying these corpses into the room and he has sex with the bodies just headless bodies and when he was asked you know why headless like this is very odd like yes we've dealt with necrophiliacs we've dealt with serial killers like ted bundy he will murder the woman and then he will have sex with the woman right after they're murdered sometimes he'll even come back five days later where the body is decomposing and there's already like maggots and stuff and he'll still fuck the body right i mean it's just so scary please let the dead rest in peace they're like why headless i mean this seems to go against everything no And he said, you know, when I was younger, I was always told that the head was everything. You know, it has the brains, it has the eyes, and it has the mouth. And a body is nothing without the head. But that's not really true. There's a lot left in a girl's body, even without the head. This guy has said some very, very twisted and dark dark and fucked up shit. And also, like, um, might I add, misogynistic. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) So why? Why Still, why does he behead the body he just likes it this is thing he got that inspo from like that magic show that he went to when he was young oh, that kind of where it all started got it, got it, got it. yeah and so then he'll have sex with the the head and the body and he was really smart he always took out the bullets of his victims so that it couldn't be identified to a murder weapon and he always dismembered them and he always discarded them. Now, this became a shit show because guess what was happening in Santa Cruz at the time? Santa Cruz was getting the name of the murder capital of the world at the time because not just him, but there were other two active serial killers in the area. We've got Herbert Mullen and we've got a man by the name of John Frazier. They were both actively killing in the Santa Cruz area. So you've got three active serial killers in an area where there's just chock full of colleges and college students. It's going to be really scary, right? Yeah. Now, Herbert Mullen, remember this name because he comes in handy a little bit later. Now, let's talk about Clarnell. Remember that name? That's his mama. So he decides he has perfected the art of killing people. And he finally decided it was time that he was going to kill his mom. So he goes to his mom's house one day and she comes home from work and she's reading a book as she's falling asleep and he waits and he waits and he had always believed that the mom was to blame he hated himself he hated women and he believes that it's his mom fault she made him that way you know Mm -hmm. she did all of this and now he is the way that he is again he is remarkably self-aware for someone like this most serial killers will be like what do you mean i just fucking do it because i do it you Mm -hmm. know but he's like no it's because i have abuse stemming from my mom and then it turned me into this and i would think that without the abuse i wouldn't have turned out the way that i would have like Mm -hmm. he He's remarkably self-aware. 
Okay. So he waits, and then she falls asleep, and he goes into her room with a claw hammer, and he bludgeons her to death, and then he slits her throat with a kitchen knife, and then he decides, you know what? Let's just go back to my old ways. So he decapitates his mom's head. This is where it gets crazy. He decapitates his mom's head, and then has sex with his mom's severed head. Oh my fucking god! Yeah. So he has sex with his mom's severed head, and then and then he does something that is incredibly, incredibly strange. And I've never, ever, ever, ever seen something like this. Well, I haven't seen it, but I haven't any read or researched anything like this. Which is, he went into the living room, put her up onto the shelf, and just started screaming at her severed head for an hour, and was like, "Fuck you, mom! Like you ruined me!" Blah blah blah, right? And then he sat on the couch and continued to use her head as a dartboard. Yeah. What the fuck? Just to wait gets a little bit weirder. So then he does that. And then he's like, you know what? That's not enough. I want to smash her face in. So he continues to beat up her severed head. I mean, she's dead, you know. This is how you know he was so full of rage. And then he does something very symbolic. He cuts out her tongue and her vocal box. So in her throat, her vocal cords and her vocal box. Uh-huh. Because she always yelled at him, you know? She was always so mean. Her words hurt. She was always yelling and abusing him verbally, violently, verbally, you know? Yeah. And so he grabbed those, threw them down the kitchen sink into the garbage disposal, and he turned the garbage disposal on. Now, what's interesting is that the vocal cords are actually very, 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 very tough material. And he said, you know what? The garbage disposal said, I don't think so. And spat her vocal cords back out into the sink because it couldn't grind it. And he said, it seemed appropriate considering how much she yelled at me over the years and she bitched over the years. And he said, even in death, his mom mocked him. Yeah. I guess that's pretty accurate. Yeah. So again, you've got a very interestingly self-aware criminal. I mean, that's just weird. It's just weird to note that he said that, that it was just like, seemed appropriate. It's just odd. And so then he was like, you know what? I kind of want to get away with this murder. You know, if this is my mom, they're going to know it's me. They're going to always look to me. It's not going to be my sisters. My sisters, if they get interviewed, they're going to be like, you should look into Ed, our brother. He's creepy, right? And so he's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call her best friend, Sally. So Sally was 59 years old. And he said, what's up, Sally? Um, You want to come over for dinner and a movie? And so Sally's like, yes, great. I'd love to have dinner and movie with you and your mother. Right. And so she goes over thinking that she's going to have dinner with Clarnell and Edmund. Right. And his idea was that if there was another body in the house, then it would be less likely that it was just targeted towards Clarnell, his mom. So it'd be less likely that it was him. So logic. Yeah. So he ends up strangling her and puts both women into a closet. And then he leaves a note to the police. Yeah, the note's weird. So he says, approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. And he said, no need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, murderous butcher. But because people were calling him the butcher because he was dismembering all the bodies, right? Uh And he said, it was quick. It was quick. They were asleep just the way they wanted. It was not sloppy. It was not incomplete, gentlemen. Just a lack of time. I got things to do. So it's a very cryptic note. It kind of makes it seem like, hey, listen, I know you're going to think that this was an incomplete murder, but it's just a lack of time. So I think that he was just trying to throw them off because all of the other bodies were disposed of and never left inside the house. So he was trying to be like, I just don't have time. I got shit to do. You know, it's not that I'm like scared or it's not that I didn't want to complete the cycle that I normally do. Yeah. It's just I don't have time, guys. 
you get it, gentlemen. You're busy people. Okay. So he's kind of throwing them off. Now, immediately, he gets into Sally's car and he starts driving to Colorado. Now, he's in Northern California. This is going to be a 1,000-mile trip to Colorado. He pops a bunch of caffeine pills and he drives nonstop for close to 18 hours. I mean, wow. it was a treacherous drive. He has three guns in the car. He had hundreds of bullets in the car because he just felt like there was going to be a manhunt for him. He believed he was the target of probably FBI, SWAT team, all of that, right? He's like, it's done. I'm done. I killed my mom they're gonna know it's me now right yeah and he eventually got stopped midway through for a speeding ticket and they gave him a ticket and let him drive away oh my god and so he drives to colorado he approaches colorado and he's like this is crazy i mean i've been listening to the news on the radio and nobody is talking about the murder nobody said oh my god two more bodies found you know nothing yeah (sighs) well I guess there's only one thing to do. So he goes and finds a local payphone and he calls the police, the Santa Cruz police, the local police department that are friends with him. They know him as Big Ed. And so he's like, listen, uh, I just killed my mom. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And they're like, okay, yeah. Okay, Big Ed, you're so weird. Um, Are you coming to the jury room later tonight or something? Is that why you're calling? And he's like, no, I just killed my mom. And they're like, okay, Ed, we're really busy today. We got a lot of shit going on. We'll just see you at the jury room. Just, okay, just call us later if you've got anything. And he hung up. And so he's like, what? So he's like, okay, well, I mean, they did tell me to call them later. So I guess I'll just give them a couple hours. And then a couple hours pass and he calls the police again. And he says, hello, Santa Cruz Police Department. And he's like, hey, can I talk to officer so-and-so? And this was an officer that he directly knew, like was pretty close with, right? Yeah. And so they were like, yeah, we'll get him on the phone. And he goes, hey, listen, uh, I just called my mom. I'm in Colorado. Uh-huh. He's like, what? he's like, yeah, no, I swear I did it. Nobody believes me, but I just killed my mom. I'm in Colorado. I killed her best friend. You can check it out. Um, Go to her house. I killed her. I stuffed her in a closet. Go check it out. I swear. And he's like, okay, where are you? And he's like, Colorado, do you want to send some police? I can just wait somewhere. Wait, why? He's turning himself in? Yeah, and so he patiently and politely waits for the police. And once he's taken into custody, he confesses to the other six murders of those college students. Why? What happened? They asked him too. They're like, why? Like we didn't even find the bodies. It's not like we were closing in on you. It's not like we were zeroing in on you and there was going to be like some sort of a struggle. Yeah. Why? And he said, I was exhausted. There's no purpose. Like emotionally, I could not handle this any longer of like thinking that you guys were going to come get me. It just, it's a pure waste of time. I mean, I said to hell with it. I called it all off. I called you guys. And I think I got to the root of my problem. There's no need to take any of my, of my rage out on these innocent victims. Like I killed my mom. That's it. This is all that all those murders were leading up to. And then I did it. I killed my mom. And now I don't want to really kill anyone right now. So I don't really think I should go around killing some more innocent people. But then I also don't think I can emotionally live just like trying to looking over my shoulder every day. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that part makes total sense. So he doesn't have the rage to fuel him anymore. Yeah, yeah. And now he doesn't want to live that paranoid life of a criminal. Yeah, I mean, that part sounds like a regular human. Yeah, so then a trial ensues. Now, he gets state-appointed attorneys. Um, He really didn't have a lot of money, so he didn't hire, like, the best attorneys in town. And nobody was really, like, jumping to 
represent him pro bono or anything. And because of his confession, there was just no way around it. There was no way they were going to be like, well, I mean, he has an alibi. And so they were like, okay, this is the only thing that we can do in a situation like this is to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. And he ended up trying to commit suicide twice while he was in custody awaiting his trial. And even then, three psychiatrists were put to the case to determine if he was legally sane. And they said, absolutely. He absolutely can stand trial. Now, one of them is very interesting. His name is Dr. Fort. And this shit sounds like a bootleg Marvel universe, like a bootleg DC comic storyline. He decided, wait, I saw some reports that you were diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia before. And he's like, yes, I did. Like, wow, you're so cool, doctor. Right. And so he's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to interview Ed using something called truth serum. (laughs) Let me tell you about the truth serum. So truth serum is a psychoactive drug cocktail. So it's just a bunch of different drugs that fuck with your heads like, you know, psychoactively. So it probably makes you hallucinate and shit. And it's usually a mixture of like, I mean, I try to write down the names, but I can't even pronounce them. So I'm not going to. And it's scientifically, ethically and legally shoddy. It's just all over the place. Nobody really uses it as evidence. But Uh back then they would use this against psychiatric patients. They would just be like, tell me some more. Let me just inject you with this so you can tell me more. Now, legally, it violates human rights and the Constitution because we do have that Fifth Amendment right, our right to remain silent. Now, if you're injected with drugs and now you're forced to speak because you physically have to speak because of this drug, that goes against your constitutional rights. So it doesn't really happen in the U.S. anymore, but back then, Dr. Fort was like, seems like a good idea. And he allegedly got out of Ed Kemper the third that he was also a cannibal that he would slice flesh from the legs of his victims and then bake them into a casserole allegedly though allegedly and he also said you know ed just always wanted to be famous he wanted that infamy that notoriety that you know reputation of being this crazy murderer And he also said, but he's also very mentally competent. So let's go to trial. Now, lots of people speculate that Dr. Ford just wanted to make a name for himself. And he was an opportunist because, I mean, Ed ended up recanting the whole cannibalism thing. There didn't seem to be heavy amounts of evidence saying that he was a cannibal. From what I could see, it just seemed kind of like maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. We couldn't really tell because of how much flesh had already been taken off from the bodies. So he was like not nicely dismembering them if you could even ever do something like that nicely you get it so he recants and then he ends up testifying in the trial his motive was that he wanted victims for himself like he wanted these women for himself he wanted them like they were possessions now you can't have a woman be a possession because she is a free spirit and she is a mind of her own and she is a human and she is an equal to a man but if they're dead they can't say no so then he would kill them And he said he would kind of black out and he would not remember it. And he was kind of, you know, dancing around the ballpark trying to say that he probably has some variation of DID where he backs out, blacks out. And then his, you know, his altar comes in and he does the killing. But then real Ed, he's nice, right? Uh But there were no indications that he had DID in any way, shape or form. So obviously there was also a lot of like. You know, people being like, okay, really, dude? And so there was a jury of six men and six women, and they deliberated for five hours, and then they came back with guilty on all eight counts of first-degree murder. I still don't understand how someone who's so fucked up since they were so young and then just turned themselves in. 
Yeah. You know, like what, what, what is that? That's why people are thinking he's so creepy. And then he has a request. He says, Mm -hmm. guys, I don't want to go to prison. Can you guys just torture me to death? He says, I request death. I request capital punishment by torture. And they're like, what is capital punishment by torture? I don't even know. Like he wants to be tortured to death. What? Yeah. And they were like, no, no. Uh And it's interesting because, um, in California, capital punishment is still legal, but all executions have been placed on hold by um, Governor Gavin Newsom. I think there was already something in play and then he had to renew it, I believe, or something like that. OK, so he wasn't going to get capital punishment. He did not get capital punishment. He's going to be spending the rest of his life in prison, hopefully, because he's actually up for the possibility of parole in a couple years. So he ended up getting a bunch of sentences. It's he's got sentenced to life, but the possibility of parole, which I think is kind of crazy. And he was sent to a California medical facility. Right. And this is more he goes to prison and he goes to the same block in prison as Herbert Millen. Remember him? The other active serial killer in Santa Cruz that people were freaking out about Uh and Charles Manson. They end up on the same prison block. So this was just a crazy time in the U.S. and definitely California. So he ends up in that same prison block. And when he's interviewed, he talks about Herbert. He did not like Herbert. He said, you know what? Herbert's annoying. He's just a cold blooded killer. He'll just kill anybody. And everyone's like, whoa, like maybe you aren't that self-aware. Right. And he manipulated the shit out of another serial killer. Imagine this. A serial killer manipulates the shit out of another serial killer so he hates herbert herbert the serial killer loves to sing when everyone's trying to watch tv he's like i'm gonna just fucking sing right now because i don't want everyone to have fun without me and so he starts singing and so then (laughs) so then ed goes up to him throws water on him and threatens herbert herbert gets scared and then when herbert doesn't sing ed will give him some peanuts to share so they'll eat peanuts together and he said herbie likes peanuts And then he said, now, now guess what? Herbert will ask me for permission to sing. And you know what that's called? Behavior modification treatment. That's what Ed said. He's fucking messing with a serial killer in there? Yeah. Like that? And he knows all these psychiatry and like psychological terms. Because remember when he was first in the state hospital, he was administering these tests. Yeah, and he's a big dude. He has yeah. his physical strength too. And he's incredibly manipulative. He is a model prisoner. Um, he would schedule the inmate psychiatric appointment. So he was doing administrative work again. He wasn't giving out like the tests and administrating anything, but he just was scheduling their appointments with the psychiatrist. Yeah. He was an accomplished craftsman of ceramic cups. I mean, he, the dude was a pottery man. He was just making really nice ceramic cups in prison Holy right shit. and then this is what's crazier he started doing work for the blind i don't know how he got into it but he was like you know what i don't like the fact that blind people can't read the same books that i'm reading so i'm gonna narrate them and he became an audiobook narrator and he has over five thousand hours of him narrating books hundreds of titles have been narrated i mean i don't think that they're the most popular narrated version of these books but um yeah he got like two trophies for it that is so scary that's so scary like imagine you're just reading like listening to an audiobook and it's a oh serial killer's voice God, yeah yeah and someone like him yeah 
just imagine yeah i don't i mean i don't find pleasure in that i love audiobooks but i would not want him to read me a book to sleep god damn yeah but in 25 2015 he retired from all of these positions because he ended up having a stroke and he was considered disabled medically disabled speaking and so he wasn't really doing any of those things and it's very interesting because a lot of the fbi who a lot of profilers fbi profilers which are people who go and they study these criminals and they try to make a profile for them and they try to now when there's new crimes happening they're like okay we need to profile this person and see what type of job that they might have you know what they maybe look like what kind of childhood they had Mm -hmm. and all of these things and they'll study with some of the criminals that are already in prison and the fbi profiler said listen he's amongst the brightest of criminals we've met he has the capability for such a violent and aggressive criminal. He's mm-hmm. also capable of insight, which is scary. What does that mean? You know, like sometimes you'll have people who do some fucked up shit, yeah. but then sometimes they'll say some shit that's like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that. And then suddenly everyone's like, you know, they can't be that fucked up because, mm. you know, they said this, that makes sense. Yeah. So they're, they're just saying everything he's doing is very smart. Yeah, and uh, he would do a lot of interviews in prison, and he said it was to help potential killers. Not in the way that you think. Not in the way... He's like, the method is. No, I'm just kidding. Um, He said, you know, thinking this way is not a crime. Thinking that you want to kill people is not a crime. It's a crime when you do it. So when you're just thinking it, you need to go get help. So he's like telling other criminals to go get help, right? And this is what's scarier, though. When you're talking about a guy who has been diagnosed with that, who has psychopathic tendencies aggressive tendencies and who's also so smart yeah how can you believe a word he says right exactly i don't believe him a lot of he's people do saying, some people do they're like oh, some wow. people think he's so good like he's rehabilitated for real like now oh, that yeah, he killed yeah, yeah. his mom it's gone now like he's not gonna kill anyone else oh my god you know it's all over imagine a little abused boy he killed his mom finally like let him out I'm like, not in California. I live in California, please. Yeah. Um, Whoever yeah. says that, just take him in. Yeah, you, know? you take him into your house, boo-boo, if you want to, <laughs> right? Gosh. Yeah. And so like then, he, the shit that he's done, it's... That's what I'm saying. It's, I mean... This is something I would understand if he just killed his mom. And maybe not in the way that he did. If he just shot his mom and then left and was like, hey, guys, I shot my mom. Right? Then I'd be like, oh, fuck. Like, okay, he was abused. I understand. He shot his mom. The abuse ended. This is a complex situation. We need to deal with it with such care and emotion because of how complex it is. But he's like, so I went around killing a bunch of people, my grandparents, and then also I had sex with my mom's severed head and then I threw darts at it and then I put her voice box in the or the garbage disposal like this is like whoa you're kind of not and this was all when he was 24 he got caught when he was 24 so he was my age and he had already murdered eight people no 10 people wow and so his next parole hearing you'll be happy to know is in 2024 He's already been denied so many times. Um, The judge once even said, listen, I don't care if you're a model inmate. Like the shit that you did outside of prison was so intense. Like, no, you're denied. Yeah. So we don't know what's going to happen in 24. I mean, I assume he'll be left in prison. I'd be really upset. There's a lot of people who deserve a day outside of prison and deserve a second chance. But I would say Ed Edmund Kemper, the third is not one of those people. There was an AMA on Reddit, which is an ask me anything with his um, nephew. 
What? Yeah. What does his nephew has anything to say? Just saying that mental illness does run in their family, and half of his family seems to think that he is rehabilitated, and they kind of blame the mom, and then the other half are like, "Ew, ew, ew! We don't like this dude. We don't know him." Huh. Okay. So it's very complex. And then I also read on Reddit that he is so manipulative that a lot of people, I mean, listen, I love true crime, but I probably wouldn't take it this far. But a lot of people have written him letters, okay, in prison. And he's so manipulative when he sends back letters. And once you know that this dude is manipulative, everything in that letter, you're like, wait a second, this feels like just heavy, thick manipulation at its finest. Like, this is scary. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that I am so scared of that. I know people are always like, it'd be so cool if you did a video like writing to a serial killer. I'm like, no, thank you. Like, I don't want to die. And I also, I think the scariest is I don't even want to be hypnotized. I don't like the feeling. Like, I don't think I would be okay with it. Like, there's no way I'll be like, yeah, let's just like get me hypnotized for fun. Even if I trust the person doing it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can trust my brain that much. And talking to a serial killer, I don't know if I can trust my brain that much. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, absolutely not, bitch. You are not writing to no ho. (laughs) So, I don't know. Let me know. What are your thoughts on this case? And if you guys are interested in supporting our podcast, (laughs) please leave a review, a sparkling review. on apple podcast or spotify just tell people that i'm a bad bitch and you a bad bitch and we listen to some bad bitch sit thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and i will see you guys next wednesday where in your ear holes love you bye bye